This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. Welcome to the Wealth Ability Show, where we're always learning how to make way more money and pay way less taxes. Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, your host, founder, and CEO of WealthAbility. So just how bad is the IRS? I mean, how bad is it if you get audited, if you get into a, a controversial situation with the IRS? Is there a way for you to get out of it? And how do you actually deal with that? This is a, a, an issue that I think really everybody thinks about. Because frankly, I think the scariest thing for most people is the IRS. It's not, it's not public speaking and it's not death. I think it's taxes. And it's particularly, you know, what happens if, you know, is the IRS going to come get me? I'll get back to this in a second. Now I have something specifically for CPAs. What if you could discover a simple way to double your profitability in the next 90 days without adding any new clients? That's right. Whether you're a CPA, tax advisor, other tax professional, accountant, bookkeeper, in my newest resource, I will walk you through a simple five-step process that's proven to help you do just that. We have members of our network that have doubled their profitability in 90 days or less, and you can do this too. Now, to get your free copy, just go to wealthability.com slash CPA profit that's wealthability.com slash C-P-A-P-R-O-F-I-T. Get this new resource so that you can double your profitability in the next 90 days. So we have a great show today because we have uh, somebody who's been on the other side. I've always been the good guy. I've never been on the other side, the dark side, as I like to call it. Um, we have uh, Scott Estel who um, spent several years with the IRS and still does a lot of work in controversy and consulting on things like that. And he, he, and so it's, and he's a tax lawyer. So he's got this lawyer point of view and um, Scott, it's just great to have you on the show. Really excited to hear kind of this other point of view that frankly, you know, I don't get to hear that much. Well, thank you. Yeah. It's, it's a pleasure to be on the show here today. And, uh, Unfortunately, yes, I was part of the dark side several years ago and uh, and uh, had the, I guess, the vision to see the light and, and get into private practice. And, and that was back, oh man, 20, 20 some years ago, but representing the good guys since then. And, and like you said, uh, have done a lot of IRS controversy work, whether it's dealing with the IRS in an audit or, or going to court and fighting them in court either way. So, so from your perspective, I mean, obviously you're a professional like I am. And so, you know, the IRS I'm sure doesn't scare you at all, but typically the, the typical taxpayer is somewhat afraid of the IRS and controversy. So how do you, you know, if, if you were talking to a, a business owner or an investor, what would you tell them about, about the IRS and what they should be concerned about, what they shouldn't be concerned about? thing I would tell them is don't fear the IRS. I mean, if you're in business in the United States today, you're kind of in partnership with the IRS. Um, you know, you've got to pay these taxes. You've got to file to pay, understand the tax laws, what have you. But uh, um, the fear of the IRS and the fear of an IRS audit is something that I, I would just, you know, get that out of your mind. I mean, just forget that. And 
um, let's not worry about it. Now, that doesn't mean that, uh, you know, we should do whatever we want on a tax return. You know, obviously, we still need to have good records. We need to have all the information that uh, to support whatever's on the return, but definitely not fear the IRS. So when, when you go up, when you, you know, you're consulting on tax controversies or you're, um, you're working um, on some type of a, a case, a tax case, as, as an attorney, um, you're dealing with the uh, taxpayer representative, typically, which is an accountant. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, how do you work with them? And, you know, I'm, I'm interested, you know, myself, you know, every once in a while, um, pretty rarely, fortunately, you know, I'm involved in a tax controversy case, but what, how do you deal with the, how do you involve the taxpayer representative and what should be the role of that tax advisor, that tax preparer in handling that whole controversy? Well, I think the first thing would be to look at the type of tax controversy that it is. And a lot of the IRS audits today are done by mail. So they're not done, you know, quote unquote in the field. And those audits are looking for usually very specific things like, um, you know, can you back up the amount of wages online, XXX, whatever, whatever it is. And those types of audits, I think, you know, you go back to your preparer, you get the information, you send it in. And in a lot of instances, those audits will resolve themselves. You know, they won't actually go out into the field. Um, but I think, you know, getting to your point where, you're looking at a difference in perspective between an accountant and an attorney. And I always like working with accountants because I'm not a CPA, I'm not an accountant. And so, you know, if we get into technical issues with the IRS during an audit, um, the accountant is usually much more uh, qualified to handle that than a lawyer would be. Um, but on the flip side of that, my training as, as an attorney and certainly as a, as a former IRS senior trial attorney um, I'm looking at this from a, a lawyer perspective, and if I go into court, what are my what, what's my chances of success? What are my weak points? What are my strong points? And so I'm looking at the case from a different perspective than a CPA would be doing. And so, you know, ideally, if it's going to be one of these correspondence audits where it's done over the mail, you go to your CPA, your accountant, whoever prepared the return get it in, get the information in, and, and if that resolves it, great. You don't need to, to bring an attorney in. But I think once you get into a field audit where you're actually sitting down face-to-face with an IRS agent, I think at that point I would be seeking more legal counsel than I would accounting or hmm. um, you know CPA type of counsel. So I, I think you have to look at the difference in perspective that we both bring to the table and um, you know, some of the stuff I bring to the table is, is really good because I can look at this from a, a what's our chances of success type of thing. But I also have this weakness in that I don't know all of the accounting that may go into a particular tax return. Over the years, I'm very interested in your, your feedback on this. Over the years, I've taken the position that through the field audit, through the audit, and even the audit supervisor, you know, and a, a review by the supervisor or manager, that I'm very comfortable with that. I mean, I've had, you know, lots of experience and, and lots of success uh, where I, um, and, and a lot of that is a, I'm from a technical legal standpoint, I'm actually spent a lot of time doing that type of work. Um, mm-hmm. But also because I know the numbers, right. I know the numbers and the documentation. And so it's really easy for me to, you know, be able to say, well, you know, let, let's see what, you know, 
the, the auditor wants from a documentation standpoint. Because I've I found certainly in the last five years that the number one thing they're looking for is documentation. They don't even get to any kind of a controversy such, you know, on a, on a position that we've taken until they've gotten made sure that all the documentation is exactly the way they want it. And some of them, they don't even understand the law to go beyond documentation. So, um, you know, if I can, if I can give them the documentation, which is of course what, you know, we actually prepare tax returns in our um, network um, of CPAs, we, we prepare tax returns with the assumption, even though we know it's pretty rare, with the assumption they're going to be audited because we want to make sure we have all the documentation for that. Um, once it gets past the audit level, though, I got to tell you, I, am, I, I think that that's a point where you absolutely need to bring in an attorney. And one of the questions I have for you is, it seems like in recent years that um, I have actually had some exp- experience with the uh, appeals process, and I find that um, IRS appeals anymore is almost a waste of time if you go straight. It's, you, you go to appeals, and so what I've what what uh, tax attorneys have told me is that they prefer going straight to tax court, and then it gets to appeals, and the appeals process is much easier that way. Is I mean, is is that what you found too, Scott? Yeah, I think to some extent that's true. Um, I might take a little bit different perspective in that I normally want to take as many shots as I can at the IRS. And so if you if you look at a, a quote-unquote normal audit, um, like you mentioned there, they're just, the IRS really looking for documentation. You know, do you, do you have proof of, you know, your automobile or your rent payments or whatever it is they're looking at? And I think you'll find like 90% of audits or so are pretty much handled right, right. there where we don't, we don't need to do anything else, right? Give the IRS the documentation. Um, maybe they find a mistake. Maybe they don't. You owe more money. You don't. And you get it over with. Um, but, you know, those 10, let's say the 10% of cases, you know, that we're not resolving for whatever reason, whether it's a documentation issue or whether IRS and, and the taxpayer here are taking different legal positions. Um, but your next move is to go to the manager and the manager of the IRS audit you know, department there or whatever. Um, they almost always rubber stamp it. So you know, at that point, you're probably not going to get anywhere, and you've got a shot at appeals at that point. And you know, one of the thought processes here is, you know, look, the appeals right now is, is really not being all that independent, and so they're just basically taking the IRS position. Um, That's my experience. Yeah, yeah, certainly not always, but that seems to be the case. And so it's it's almost like all they're looking for, Scott, is what are my chances of success? And they're applying that to determine whether there's any give on the on the audit. They're not looking. I've not had I'd say in the last five or six years. And again, I you know, our clients really get audited, but I haven't seen an IRS appeals officer who actually would look at the issue um, mm-hmm. as opposed to looking at the chances of winning the issue. So mm-hmm. you're right. I mean, they're, they're, they don't seem to be independent in any way, shape or form, or at right. least they have not seemed that way. Yeah, I think, and I think that's right. And, and so what some attorneys are saying here is, all right, you know, let's go talk to the manager. Maybe the manager does something, probably not. At that point, then, let's just get what's called a 90-day letter. Right. That's where he notice the deficiency. And 
let's just go right to that because right from that point, then everything is being accelerated and there's also other independent people watching this. So, you know, what I mean by that is I, a 90 day letter means I need to file a, a petition basically suing the IRS and tax court. And I have 90 days to do that. Once I do that, the IRS would assign it to somebody like my, my old job with the IRS and I would have to file an answer. And at that point, then we've got the court is overseeing this plus an IRS attorney, plus we get to go to appeals again, um, or perhaps for the first time. And I think that's where, you, you know, the appeals officer, one, has to look at the legal issues or right. the substantiation. I mean, they have to do it because they're going to be, in, you know, we're going to be in court and somebody's got to tell the judge just what the problem is here. So, but but I think then you you also, appeals does look at who's likely to win this issue, you know, and that is, that is something that I looked at um, when I was with the IRS, and I still look at it today. You know, my, my, a lot of times with my client um, or whoever I'm consulting with, I'll tell them, look, I would rather wear the IRS hat in this litigation than the taxpayer hat because I think that the odds are better than 50-50 that the IRS would win this issue, you know, or, or the other way around. And, and so I think you have to, when, you, when you're going through this process, you're looking at a settlement. Both sides are going to be trying to resolve this without going to court. Because if you go to court, anything can happen. You know, and I've been in court enough times and you just, you're standing up there and you're just like, I didn't see that coming or I, I wasn't expecting that. And, <laughs> well, I know, think anybody who's ever been in court feels that way. <laughs> yeah, <and laughs> no, so matter, no matter what, whether it's tax yeah, court or something else. I mean, at least in tax court, these are, these are tax court judges, right? I mean, these are people yeah. who should have good solid and and seem to have good solid foundation in the tax law as opposed to you know if you were to go to district court and and then you're really just you know hoping that they know something about taxes other than other than that they have to file it by april 15th so correct correct with the judges i think the judges are very competent on the tax law certainly on the tax court but these are still trials and right. still have weird stuff happening with evidence or good um, that, that's a good point that you know anytime you know, anytime you go to court it's a it's a bit of a crapshoot because you don't know how the judge is going to be leaning and cause you don't know. I mean, I presume that by the time you get there, you know, which judge you're going to have, but how they're going to be leaning on a particular case, a particular item. You may not know. I could see how they could come out of nowhere. Yeah. Well, you get to find the judge real quick in the process. So we, you know, so we do have that in that we can look at the judge's record and see if the judge has written any opinions on issues that are what we're trying to resolve um, so, you know, so there are some strategy type issues there, but, but I think the problem again is when you get into court and you start having evidence objections and that can happen in any type of trial, you know, criminal, civil, tax court, doesn't matter. And there's just a lot of unpredictability and, um, you know, we're, we've got enough, I've got enough experience that when I go into court, I, I kind of have a real good idea, but it never is at a hundred percent certainty. You know, and I think that's the problem. Yeah, and of course, I, both sides I, have that problem it, too, though. It, exactly, and and that's why I always, you know, I'm always telling clients, um, you want to solve this at the lowest level possible, because first of all, it's expensive to go through the the whole uh, tax court appeals process, and second of all, you just don't know. You know, anytime you get into court, I think that you're, you, you might as well be in Las Vegas because you mm-hmm. just don't know. 
as much due diligence as your attorney does, et cetera. But I do think that you make a good point that, you know, there is a point where accountants should, you know, the tax preparer who's typically an accountant should get with an attorney, a qualified attorney. And, and sometimes, and, and we do that. So sometimes I'll do that before we even, yeah, just on an issue, right? I'm going, okay, how would the IRS look at this issue? Um, or frequently, in fact, almost always, if I'm in an audit, I'm going to get some uh, feedback from an attorney because I, I think you're right, particularly somebody like you who's had um, IRS experience, just, just understand, okay, how might the IRS be looking at this? I think that can be really important. Yeah, I think so. And, and even if the accountant, let's say, is, is handling the audit, it may not hurt to buy, you know, let's say an hour of time of right. some attorney that just to make sure that the strategy going forward is is good, you know, and that, um, you know, that we're not going to do anything now to potentially harm the case down the road. But I, I think your other point is, is really well taken, and that is audits are expensive. And it's a co- you know, I know it's a cost of doing business, but, you know, if, if the IRS says you owe $10,000 and we look at this and say this could be a coin flip type of a case, it could go either way, and we go back to the IRS and settle for five, um, you know, and obviously those numbers can be quite a bit larger, but, um, but the point is, is that you're not paying attorney fees after that. You're just, you're getting out of this case. And I've also seen with a lot of taxpayers, a lot of my clients over the years that, um, they, they have a hard time running their business and everything with this audit in the back of their minds. You yeah. know, if they, can, if they can get out of the audit um, sooner, and yes, maybe they pay a little bit more money up front, you know, to get the case solved uh, or resolved, but they're not paying legal fees down the road to get the IRS out of their life. And now they can go about, you know, doing whatever the business is that they do. Yeah, I, I, I agree. And I, an IRS audit is, is not productive, basically. No. It, it's, no. it's a, it's a, it's really creates negative energy. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, this is again, why, you know, and I've said this a hundred times on the show that you always hire a professional. I mean, I'm always shocked when I see people who've handled their own cases. I'm shocked when I see people prepare their own tax returns, frankly, I, yes. I just don't understand because, you know, we're always talking about, well, look, it's a team. And I, I really have enjoyed the, the teams that I've worked with, the, the legal teams, because you know, we do come from a different perspective. You know, I'm going to be looking at numbers and lawyers, typically that's not their strong suit. They're looking at the words. They're looking at, okay, how are people, you know, how's, how might this be um, viewed? Um, how's the judge going to react? How is the IRS auditor going to react to this? And a lot of times accountants tend to focus a little bit too much on the numbers and so having a team approach, I think, can be, even though you're, you are paying both fees, uh, in the end, I think that, you know, if you get to a point where it's not a simple matter for your, um, for your CPA to handle, I think at that point, I think the, the CPA, I think you'd be wise to even ask your CPA, have you thought, you know, is there an attorney we need to get involved here? Because if, if the CPA is trying to do this, I've seen CPAs that, actually we'll take it to tax court. I'm going, why would you do that? It's, it's not your expertise. Why, why would you do something that you're clearly not good at? And when mm-hmm. there are people like you who are good at that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I think, and I think your, your comment as far as the team approach is, um, I mean, that's the way I go with pretty much everything. 
you know, with real estate investing for myself, it's like, well, I'm not an expert at that. So I bring in other people that can help me out. And um, I think it's the same thing here where I'm shocked at the number of people that represent themselves in an audit, especially a field audit. Correspondence, you know, we're sending letters back and forth. Okay, that's fine. But to walk in there where you don't know what you're doing, this is not your expertise, um, are you really going to challenge the IRS? Are you really going to assert your taxpayer bill of rights and what you're entitled to do and what the IRS can and can't do? I mean, it, it just seems to me that at a certain point there, you need to recognize that this isn't your specialty and bring somebody else in because, you know, a lot of people, they'll, they'll get afraid of the IRS, the a fear factor sets in and everything. And really, when I go into an audit, I'm looking at ways I can help the IRS. And exactly. I know that may not sound quite right. but No, I always say, I always say it's my, my job is to help the IRS auditor do their job. That exactly. is, that is exactly. the job of the tax professional, for sure. I, yeah, I think so. And, and remember, too, that this IRS person, you know, they've got 50 other audits or whatever. And, and if I come in there with a good mileage log and I have documentation um, on whatever expenses the IRS wants to see and I bring bank, bank statements in and it ties out to my income I reported and, and everything, you, you can walk in there at 9 o'clock in the morning and go to lunch with the audit over. I mean, that, I've had that happen. And so it's you know, again, we're trying to make it easy for the IRS. And as long as the IRS cooperates with us, we're certainly going to cooperate with them and try to get this resolved in an amicable way. And, you know, and that, again, that's the way most audits go. Most IRS employees and agents are good. And as far as they want to get the job done, do the right thing. And right, you know, they're, they're doing their best in a really difficult situation. As I, well, as well, I, as well, I always yeah. remind people, I mean, they're the only people on earth Really, when you think about it, they're the only job where every single one of their clients can't stand the sight of them. Mm-hmm. And, and so nobody wants to talk to them. And it's a really tough job. And so, you know, I've always taken the approach that you make the IRS comfortable, make sure that you're there, that they know that you're not there to fight them. You're there to help them. And mm-hmm. and I've always found that that actually works really well. So you've run, so you've worked with a You've seen a lot of different tax advisors and particularly accountants over the years. And at the risk of offending my um, CPA community, mm-hmm. I, I would like to get your thoughts on, you know, some people say, well, a CPA is a CPA. And I'm always saying, well, yeah, that's like saying a doctor is a doctor, right? I mean, do you want a mm-hmm. chiropractor operating on your heart? And your answer is probably not. Now, that doesn't mean they're not a great chiropractor. It just means that they should be doing what they're good at. And so I'm, I'm just dying to hear. So uh, what, what kind of range of representation have you seen over the years when it comes to tax advisors and the, the, the CPAs? Well, there's, I, I think there's a huge range here, depending on kind of what their skill set is. And an analogy that I would use is that I've never – I've never represented a publicly traded company in, a, in an IRS case ever. And so, you know, I've never represented Microsoft or some big company. And so I think I would be pretty incompetent to represent a company there because I don't really know the law or what have you. But you bring in a small business and that's my sweet spot. And so, you know, I could be a really good lawyer for a small business and a really not so good lawyer for a large corporation. And I think that, you know, the, the CPAs are the same way in the sense of, 
you know, some of the CPAs are not dealing with the IRS ever, um, or they're, they're maybe doing audits like on an internal audit basis as opposed to, you know, something where the IRS or a state is auditing them. And so I think you have to look at what does this particular tax professional do for a living, you know, and if they um, handle small business tax returns and they'll they'll stand by you in an audit, and then that person is going to be a lot better for a small business than some accountant who's, let's say, working for one of the big, whatever, big three or big four accounting firms, whatever there, there are now, um, you know, where they both could be great accountants, but one is very qualified for you and the other one not so much. You know, that, that's a good point. I, I, I'm always telling our um, members of our CPA network that we really ought to be staying within what we know, right? That's, I, I had an attorney once tell me, he goes, I never get referrals from, from CPAs. And I said, you're kidding. He said, no, I never get referrals because they think they can do everything. And I'm going, wow. I mean, that is, um, that's actually sad to me because I know that, um, you know, in this profession, the more you know, the more you realize you don't know. And if you yeah. don't, and if you think you know everything, you're in trouble. Yeah, big, big trouble. And that's, that's, an, that's a surprising comment, actually, because I get a lot of referrals from CPAs. And again, not wanting me to take over the case, but just wanting to, work through some strategy issues, you know, where you just, you know, do I want to present this document or if I present it, is the IRS now going to want to see 20 other things and is it going to snowball on me? And what's the likelihood that if I don't give them this, the IRS, it's going to, you know, make them angry or, or force them to go into a subpoena or, you know, a summons of some sort. So there, there's all these issues that could come in. And I think, again, you just have to know what you're good at and what you're not. And, you know, if you came to me and asked me to do a divorce case, you'd probably get malpractice. <laughs> you know, be quite blunt. I've never done one. I don't know what I'm doing. You know, and it's the same thing. I think you have to know where your your strengths are, and perhaps even more importantly, to know where your weaknesses are and um, get out of the weaknesses. And and if you're a tax professional and you're really good at what you do, but you really don't have much expertise or um, really want to develop expertise in controversy then do what you're good at and, and get rid of the stuff that you're not, you know, or get, get help with it uh, if you need it. Like I may get accounting help on something where I, I know I'm weak on, you know, that where I need to have a lot of depreciation or amortization type stuff, you know, completed. And I, I may not know the best way to do that or have the software that does it or, you know, whatever. There's just a whole lot of reasons why, I think as professionals, we need to know what our boundaries are. Yeah. I, I think that's a really good point. So we have a relatively new IRS commissioner, Chuck Reddick, and um, you know he's well known in the in the in the tax profession. We you know we've all heard him speak. We you know before he turned to the dark side. And do you think we're going to see positive changes, or do you think he will literally go to the dark side? Um, I think he will go to the dark side, but I think we'll see some tax reform. Um, it always kind of makes me cringe a little bit when they start talking about tax reform because. I don't really know exactly what they're going to be trying to reform, and and a lot of times they make things worse. But you got to—I mean—you have to understand that this this is an almost impossible job that anybody has, whether it's the commissioner all the way down. In that, you know, they're told here go enforce these tax laws that very few people, if anyone, really understands. You know, and and so now they're going to try to enforce some laws here, and they're trying to do it with quote unquote customer service. You know, to try to 
take away the the negative stigma that the IRS has, and um, they've got a really, really, I would say, almost impossible job to be able to to fully succeed. So, you know, I wish them a lot of luck, but um, you know, good luck with that job. <laughs> you know. I, I I'm the I feel the same way. I you know I admire him as a as a tax professional, and um, I'm I've got some hope there. You know, I I think uh, my recollection the best time to actually be working with the IRS was back with uh, George H.W. Bush when he wanted a kinder and gentler IRS, and he got one. Um, I, I actually think we saw one for several years there. And well, we did. We did. You know, that's actually when I was working for the IRS. Yeah, and, and I, I just thought, I thought that was a great time to be a tax advisor because we actually had a, a positive, you know, the top down was very positive of let's work with taxpayers. I, I'm, I'm hopeful you know, always skeptical, but hopeful because I think that, uh, again, I think uh, Commissioner Reddick is just, I, I think he's a good guy and mm-hmm. uh, and he certainly knows the tax law and he's certainly been around it his entire career. And so, you know, I, I like you, I wish him the best of luck. I, I'm just, I keep my fingers crossed that we're going to see some improvements because we've, we've had a pretty rough time of it, I think, for the last five to 10 years. Yeah, I, I agree on that too, is that there's there's got to be a different mindset, and um, you, you really do. You have very low morale at the IRS right now, and so hopefully with a more positive mindset there coming from the very top, which I think you're going to see, um, I just don't know if, if that's going to be enough to change the culture that's there right now. Okay. Well, thank you for that. And, Scott, thanks so much for spending time with us. So before we finish off, just um, one piece of advice that, you know, one thing that you'd like to tell our listeners that, you know, if they do this, their life will be better. Well, I think, you know, they got to go out, run their business the way that they, they run it, make their money, get professional, you know, assistance on the taxes, and definitely keep good records. And, and finally, don't fear the IRS. I like it. Scott Estel, great to have you with us. Uh, just remember, when you're not afraid of the IRS, when you do have a team of advisors, and it, sometimes it's your, it's going to be your CPA, sometimes it's going to be a tax attorney, most of the time, it should be a combination of the two. When you, when you do that, you're always going to make way more money and pay way less taxes. We'll see you next time. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to WealthAbility.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.